Again, we open our Bibles to James chapter 1, verse 21 is our text. We'll be focusing on what is said at the beginning of the verse, but I'll read the whole verse for us. And uh, I think I'd like to actually begin with verse 13 into the text, because it'll give us a little sense, a little bit of a reference that is helpful, speaking of sin, and then we'll see something James says about what sin is. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 21, but I'll begin reading at uh, verses 13 uh, into the verse. Hear now the word of the Lord. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from God, uh, excuse me, is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. I'll read verse 21 again as that's our text for the sermon this morning. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And we're going to be focusing on this word, uh, this, this phrase, lay apart all filthiness, knowing that this is referring to sin, back to verses 13 to 15. And we're going to be thinking about what we can learn from thinking about what it is to call sin filthiness and that we're to lay it apart as we send it away and receive the word of God in our hearts that is able to save us, able to cleanse us. Well, I'm thinking about this study with you this morning because of uh, my finally uh, finishing the book, The Doctrine of Repentance by Thomas Watson been a number of times not so long that I've had some sermons on uh, motivated from that book and I come back to it once more the doctrine of repentance by Thomas Watson uh, it's all about repentance and at the end he's really giving us reasons to repent he's given us plenty of reasons but he goes out of his way to say things that you should seriously consider that it would cause you to repent uh, we'll look at something more positively this evening in terms of seriously considering God's mercies. But first, he says, we should seriously consider uh, sin. And he gives us 20, I think it's 20 different things we should seriously consider about sin. Because that would be conducive to draw us to repent. When we seriously think about how horrible sin is. Now, that's important to consider because the world... And modern psychology teaches us there isn't anything sin. Sin is not a thing. There's not this idea of sin. And sadly, even I think in too many churches today, sin is not something that we really want to deal with much. 
But sin is dealt with all through the Bible. It is our predicament. It's why we need a Savior. It's why we need to be cleansed. And among the 20 sobering things about sin that Thomas Watson draws to our attention, that we would be encouraged to repent of our sin, that is, turn away from it, turn unto God with a hatred over our sin, grief over our sin, turning instead away from it and its lifestyle to God with an apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ. One of those things really stood out to me, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be giving it some attention this morning. One of the 20 things to seriously consider about sin that we would repent and run away from it and unto God in Christ, he says this, sin besmears with filth. Sin besmears with filth. Or as James says, and this is the verse he gives us, sin is filthiness. Sin is filthy. Generally, the idea is impurity. I won't be doing such an exhaustive study uh, as we did last week on kindness, although I did look up a lot of words. and it had, It's often connected with fornication. It often has the idea of being soiled. Sometimes it's very, clo- very closely connected with vomit. Uh, we will think about that in a moment. But think about this. Have you ever noticed in movies, uh, maybe there's a detective scene or it's a scene in war and some people approach an area where dead bodies have been laying for a while. As they get close to where those dead bodies are, they have this immediate knee-jerk response. (coughs) And they have to turn their heads and they have to cover their faces because they can barely deal with the smell. It is so sickening. Some can't stand it. They have to leave the scene. So we can remember in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 39, in response to Jesus saying to roll away the stone and, and uh, he's going to call Lazarus to repent, or excuse me, Lazarus to be raised from the dead. <clears throat> His sister Martha, Lazarus' sister Martha says, Lord, He's been dead four days. He stinketh. We can't go in there. It's going to stink too bad. Because death stinks. The wages of sin is death. Sin stinks. Sin is revolting. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Eternal death is described by Lord Jesus as where the worm dieth not. What's the image there but worms that are, won't, are just there gnawing and they're, not, they're never done <coughs> eating what? Garbage and dirt and filth. It's an ugly, disgusting scene describing hell, which is the wages for sin, death, eternal death. I think we might be more familiar with this idea of maggots. If a piece of meat might be left somewhere to rot, uh, all the maggots that will eventually be over it, just eating at it, the, ugh, the reviling experience that is. Uh, I remind you that, uh, at least in some of the places where Jesus speaks of this worm that dieth not in hell, it's the Greek word that kind of is more like the idea of a grub. You know, some of those kind of bigger, grubby kinds of bugs. I'm not sure if that's technically the right word. But I recall once, I think I shared with you, when we were in, I think when we were in Matthew on this text, I recall going to the compost. We keep a compost outside to try to develop good soil for the, for the garden. But I'm not a good gardener. I don't have a green thumb. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm neglectful with these things. And so uh, for a long time, a bunch of just, you know, leftover food and different stuff was in this compost and not spinning it regularly and aerating it and getting it out on the garden. One time I opened it up and it was the nastiest sight, a scary portrayal of hell and what sin is. These grubs, these disgusting things, gnawing away in there. I didn't know they were, ah! they were just there gnawing away at all the filth in there and it stunk. Like, oh! Shut the door of that compost thing. This is the way hell is described because of sin. This is the way death is described. It's reviling. It's revolting. It stinks. It's where garbage and refuge lies. We are to receive the holy, saving word of God by putting off all such filthiness and abundant evil. I give you that as the main idea of our verse. We Christians are to receive the holy, saving word of God by putting off all filthiness and abundant evil. Notice that putting off to put on. Notice that mortification for vivification. It's often said to be able to grow in holiness, we've got to get rid of the filthiness. The mortification has to happen. We've got to get rid of the filthiness. I want to challenge you, beloved, as we continue to think about this. What sins... Do you like too much in your life? What sins do you need God to help you see they are what they really are? Filthy. And let's not forget, uh, there's a book I believe by Jerry Bridges, Respectable Sins. (laughs) We tend to think of certain sins as respectable when Christ might actually say they're some of the worst sins. Disobedience. Right? I mean, even... Disobedience to parents is highlighted as some horrific sins in the New Testament, right? Rebellion. Bad attitude, hatred, anger, ungodly anger. There's all kinds of things that, if we really look at it, may the Lord help us see it's filthy. It's all filthy. And... If we're not reading the word and we're not growing in the word, there's probably some filthiness we've got to get rid of to make room for that word, which is able to save us. We've got to receive it. But to receive it, we've got to make room for it. Getting rid of the filth. Lord, help us get rid of the filth today in new ways. Wipe it off on the outside, but particularly on the end. Because when we understand how filthy sin is, And again, verses 13 to 15 help us recognize James is describing sin as filthiness. When we understand what it really is, filthy, filthy. Like anything that we do acknowledge and respond to as filthy, we don't have to be persuaded of it. It should be much easier to immediately discard of it. And that's why Thomas Watson says, if you seriously think about sin, and in this case, seriously think about that sin is filthy, That is going to be a means to draw you into repentance, away from the sin and toward God. In fact, Thomas Watson points out that the Greek word for filthiness here in James 1, 21, he says that it signifies, quote, putrid matter of ulcers. Putrid matter of ulcers. That idea of filthiness. It's like a nasty, diseased, infected ulcer. I couldn't help but think uh, a couple years ago, I had this infected gland on my shoulder. I, it just grew. 
this big like an egg, and I, I had to go, uh, go to the doctor's. And I don't mean to disgust you, but actually I do, because that's, if I disgust you and bring you almost to the point of being sick today, then maybe, maybe it's been preached correctly. And uh, this thing, I mean, just a little bit of oozing, oh, it stunk. And when they opened that thing up, what relief from the pain and discomfort, but the stench. That's the idea of what sin is, this filthy ulcer. You know, it's this filthy, filthy infected ulcer. Healthline.com, again, remembering that Watson explains that the word filthiness in the Greek has the idea of a putrid matter of ulcers. Healthline.com shares this. An ulcer is a painful sore that is slow to heal and sometimes recurs. The most common type of leg ulcers are open wounds that often form on your leg below your knee and on the inner area of your ankle. Symptoms you may experience include inflammation, swelling, itchy skin, scabbing, discharge. Discharge is an oozing of gross stuff that stinks. I, I did happen to, I did a little research on ulcers here, and I did happen to find a nurse on YouTube share about her most uh, horrible experience for other nurses to, to know how to be prepared for this. And she says, what you want to do is you have one mask on, then you put a tea bag, and then you put another mask over the tea bag to be able to handle this so you don't pass out. They had a patient, a man who had a terribly diseased uh, foot. She didn't use the word ulcer, but it sounded like it. Due to diabetes, they're trying to encourage him to have it amputated. He refused, and he was very aggressive and nasty. She said it was all green. And pussing and sick. She says, I couldn't stand the smell even before I got anywhere near it. I mean, I, before I got close to it, the, the smell was overwhelming. Wound source, woundsource.com says this. In chronic wounds, such as pressure ulcers, leg ulcers, and diabetic foot ulcers, the odor, the stink, may be due to tissue degradation. The aptly named foul-smelling compounds called cadaverine and putrescence are released by anaerobic bacteria as part of the putrefaction of tissue. That is, what makes the smell so bad is the flesh is rotting. It's dying on the bone. So sin is described as filthiness. Sin, your and my sin, for what it really is, is described as an infected, disgusting, wound, ulcer, that needs to be cleansed, like rotting flesh. It's the kind of thing, again, that should just make us, as soon as we come anywhere near it, <gasps> you know, like, like this morning, which I said, well, at least this is a good illustration for the sermon, children, take a whiff. <laughs> uh, I opened the windows to the Honda, the windows have been up, and it's warm, of course, in the garage, and I had neglected to uh, clean some of the spilt milk from the little guy's bottle the day before. It was just enough that it kind of, you didn't see it anymore. But it was just, just enough also that that stuff stunk. 
you know, spill, maybe you don't cry over spilled milk, but you might cry over spoiled milk. Woo! I opened the windows. Give me, I started trying to clean the mats as best I could. Get that. Abraham got some spray in there. It was nasty. And you really couldn't cover over it. It's got to be cleansed. And you can only mask it a little bit. And that's the idea. Christ cleanses us of our sins. He cleanses us of this disgustingness. We need him to cleanse us, to save us, and we need him to help keep cleansing us that we would grow in holiness. But we've got to respond to sin like that. That's what it is. We should recoil at it. See it for what it is. God says it is sin. May he give us his response to it. A recoiling and disgust with its filthiness. Like an ulcer. Thus, beloved, take heed of the reality of our situation outside of Christ. Job 15, verse 16. How much more abominable and filthy is man, which drinketh iniquity like water. Zephaniah 3, verse 1. Woe to her that is filthy and polluted to the oppressing city. Psalm 14, verse 3, Psalm 53, verse 3, as referred to in Romans 3, verse 12. Remember, they are all, all mankind are gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. When someone wants to say, I'm basically good, God accepts me, I'm basically good. No, God says you're a sinner, and therefore you are filthy. You are a disgusting wound full of pus. You need to be cleansed by Jesus Christ, which is Paul's point in Romans 3 that he's driving at. Every person is a sinner, thus every person is filthy before God. And our sins continue to be filthy, though we've been saved from them. And we need to keep being cleansed of their filthiness within us. Perish the thought that Revelation 22.11 would be said of you, that you would be left sinning to yourself. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. Beloved, be serious indeed. Be serious about sanctification, holiness, growing in holiness in Christ. Second Chronicles 29 verse 5. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Colossians 3 verse 8. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Second Corinthians 7 verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 
And remember the way that we do this in our verse is to receive the word of God because it has the power to save. It has the power to cleanse. The Holy Spirit applies Christ to us. The blood brings us to repentance, brings us to see sin for what it is, turns us to the Savior to be cleansed and saved. We need to go to the word of God. But to put it in, we must clean ourselves out. To have the word and holiness make its work in us, we need to get rid of the filthiness within us. We can't ask the Lord to make us holy and continue to love our sin. That's so filthy. May God cause us to recoil and hate it and respond just like that milk in my car immediately need to clean it up. Because it's so nasty, I can't be near it. I can't stay within it, around it. That's how God responds to our sin. We have to respond to our sin the same. And again, let's not think of just the gross, heinous crimes, although those are certainly important. Let's recognize every sin. The respectable sins. The things we excuse ourselves and make habits out of are filthy. Our ulcers. The smell of death hangs on them because they're dying. As you give yourself to the word of God and cleanse yourself to make room for it by the spirit, apply such healing medicine found within it as Ezekiel 36, 25. Now, Ezekiel keeps bringing up this idea of filth and filthiness of God's people. But it brings us to be restored by being cleansed of that filthiness in Christ. Ezekiel 36, verse 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. By the way, remembering our study on baptism in the proper mode last week, the connection to Christ, Hebrews chapter 9 and 10. Notice, I will sprinkle. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness. And from all your idols will I cleanse you. Beloved, Christ cleanses you. If you have turned to Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, he has cleansed you of your filthiness. He would simply have you remember that. Ultimately, before God, you are sanctified positionally. He has cleansed you. You smell good to God because of Christ but he would cleanse you also and he can and you must turn to him to be cleansed more of your sins for we continue to sin until we are in heaven. And Christ would cleanse you of your sin. Would you be cleansed? Would you like to be rid of that stench that follows you around for years, especially those habits you've just never really given over to Christ? Give it over now. Open it up. Bring the word of God in. Christ cleanses you from all your filthiness. Remember, it is beautiful to be holy. (laughs) It is a blessing to be holy. And the way God speaks by way of the uh, images and types in the tabernacle and temple is so often that of being cleansed. So David cries in Psalm 51, Cleanse me of my sins. Create in me a clean heart. Get the filthiness out of me. Beginning with my heart. And my, my love of this sin. When I should hate it. It's so disgusting. Make it disgusting to me as it is to God. 
still, Christ cleansing you from all your filthiness, still remember the effect of sin is like having an infection that eats away at you from the inside out. Thomas Watson says this, Some think sin an ornament. It is rather an excrement. Too much of sin we joke and excuse and toy around with. I think particularly we have to watch out for a lot of entertainment. And we treat it like an ornament. That is something pretty we hang up for decoration. When in fact... I'll stay with the word and not be too graphic or potentially offensive. It's, it's ecrement. It's poop. It's stuff that should be in the toilet. It's stuff that we're happy to teach our children how to use the toilet, that we don't have to clean it so closely and get it all over us anymore. Smell as much because it goes right in the water and down the, down the tube. That's what it actually is, Sin. couple hours north of here, especially, sin is seen to be an ornament. It's glorified in Hollywood. Let us recognize how much we're actually influenced by it. And that we have to see it for what it really is. It's crap. It stinks. It's an ulcer. It's rotting flesh. See and smell sin. See and smell your sin. See and smell sinning for what it really is. I was a little nervous to preach this sermon with my wife here. Let me explain. Because she's so sensitive to smell right now. And so many things make her so quick to nauseous. But guess what she has to literally do often? She's got to leave the room. It's just such an offensive smell. It's surprising things that are even usually good smells. She's got to leave. That's how we need to be. See and smell sin for what it really is. It's like a dog licking its own vomit. Proverbs 26 verse 11. He that goes back to his sin is like a dog going back to lick his vomit. I mean, isn't that nasty? You see a dog do something like that? They do that. And God says, that's, the, that's, the, that's who you are. You're a dog eating your own vomit when you choose to go back to sin. Nasty. Revolting. Isaiah 28 verse 8 also speaks of filthiness of sin along with the image of vomit. I mean, what happens when our children vomit? We know we got a couple little guys, some particularly sensitive. Ah, it's, Oh, it's horrible to have to clean up. It's horrible when you're in that rocking chair and it's on top of you. And you got to not only clean your kid, but yourself. Oh, it's nasty. The stink is strong. It can even make people throw up. Just the smell of vomit or the idea of it. I got to be careful here, right? It can make people vomit just being around it. And that's what God says sin is. It's like licking your own vomit. Can you imagine if you were sick and then you went back and started to get a cup, pick it up and start to drink it? Well, that's what you're doing when you choose to sin. To God, it needs to be more for us. What should we do? Oh, clean up and get it out of here. 
See and smell sin for what it really is, eating garbage. You know, the garbage can, whoever has the privilege of being the one to open up the top and it's filled to the top, you get to be the one to bring it out. No one likes to do that. We all love to try to, I could fit one more thing on it, let the next person deal with it, right? And, you know, if it's left outside, uh, maybe in the garage till morning, it's just, oh, it's nasty. You don't want to be around garbage. Does anyone plan to take a vacation to a garbage dump? Is that what you choose to do on your day off? Well, that's what you choose to do when you sin on your day off. Eat garbage. Roll around in garbage. See and smell sin for what it is really. Bathing in feces and urine. Fill the bathtub with poop and pee. Would you enjoy sitting in a tub full of poop and pee? I tell you what, you'd probably be vomiting next. Philippians 3, verse 8. Even our righteousnesses are filthy dung before God, let alone our sins. We're told to smell and see sin for what it really is, wearing a soiled menstrual cloth as your face mask. Isaiah 30, verse 22, Isaiah 64, 6. That's what sin is. It's a menstrual cloth, a used menstrual cloth. Which when you go back to it, it's like putting it on your face. See and smell sin for what it really is. Wearing rotting flesh as a shirt. Satan covers the sight of sin. Satan covers the smell of sin with a hard candy shell and he leads you to lick it and suck on it. And it tastes good at first, but not for long. It'll soon dissolve into a putrid center of pus in your mouth as you digest it into your body. And it comes out your pores. So, beloved, pray the prayer of Jabez we studied last week. Keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. Or as the Lord's prayer is given to us by Christ, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For truly, sin is sickening. May the Lord drive that into us deeply today and cause us to run out grieving, hating our sins, crying to God with the mercy of Christ to be cleansed anew. May he help us see particularly our particular sins, our habits particularly, and not see them as lesser or okay, but what they really are, a cesspool. an infected wound, a putrid ulcer. And may we respond quickly, get me out of this, get this out of me, cleanse me, cleanse me. Cry out to God in your repentance, sin is sickening, sin is sickening. Save me, cleanse me, sin is sickening.
I want you to focus on one particular sin that you excuse yourself too often and another that you recognize how wicked it is, but you struggle to let it go. And I want you to see it for what it really is before God and what it is to you and what it's doing to you, though Satan will try to sugarcoat it. See what it really is in the center. It's sickening. It's filthy. Let it go. Throw it out. And receive the word of God to save your soul and cleanse you. Sin is sickening. That's the message for you today. That's something you can say to others when they try to entice you and lure you into something. Why won't you do this? Because the Bible says that's sin. And sin is sickening. Oh, but you've been saved from sin. Oh, thank the Lord, I have been saved from it. I've been saved from it. I don't have to keep going to it. I don't have to be like a dog going back to my vomit. It's sickening yet still. Thank the Lord I've been saved from it. May he sanctify me further. Let us pray. O Lord God in heaven, make us sick over our sin. Do it to us now, we pray. Show us our secret sins, as Psalm 139 speaks of. And make us sick. Make us sick over how such sins infect and make others sick. For disease always spreads. And it doesn't stay in one person. Cause us to repent. Cause us to hate it, O Lord. Cause us to grieve over it. Cause us to be almost nauseous over it. And that you would not vomit us up. Cause us not to go back to our vomit. Make it disgusting to us, O Lord. Every sin, every violation of your law, make it nauseous to us. Make it reviling. Show it to us for what, show us what it really is. That we would flee to Christ. That we wouldn't wallow in it. That we wouldn't delay as Watson says at the end of his book, that we would be quick to resolve and get out of it and change fast. So we close thankful for the mercy of God in Christ and we repent of our sins before you and pray you would create in us a clean heart, O God. Touch us with hyssop and we shall be clean. Wash us, we shall be whiter than snow. Cause us to like being clean and holy and not to want to get dirty again, not to risk infection again, and the stink of it, the filthiness of it. Thank you, you have cleansed us in Christ once and for all. Cause us to grow in cleanliness. And mindful of the request, one of the petitions by Jabez, so we think of it also in the Lord's Prayer as we pray as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.